Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus gave us the parable of the sower. Are you a farmer for Jesus today? Are you consistently sowing the seed of the Word of God and the Gospel of God throughout your day? Jesus explains that there are four different kinds of soil, but only one is fruitful. What kind of soil are you? Are you consistently receiving the seed of the Word of God and helping others to receive it? Are you good soil that's producing fruit for Jesus? Let's open our Bible now to Matthew chapter 13 and learn how we can be fruitful and productive disciples of Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It's a Sunday morning here in Texas. It's a blessed Sunday morning today. It's a it's a special day today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Not only are we we wrapping up our series on discipleship today, and this really will be the wrap up. Um, this will be the twentieth teaching of uh, of this series on discipleship, and so it's a it's a nice round number, and they'll be blocked together for those of you looking on YouTube um, and just want to watch the series. They'll be right there. There'll be the twenty teachings. And so thank you, Lord Jesus. It's been such a blessing and a, and a privilege, and it's been exciting just the, the manner of study that goes into doing a series like this. It's been wonderful. So thank you, Lord Jesus. But not only that, but, but today is the, is the wedding day of, uh, of Benjamin and Peyton, who are, uh, who are two meaningful disciples and a part of kingdom discipleship. And uh, it's just been such a privilege for May and I just to see them grow up in Jesus here these last, I don't know, it's been around four years with Peyton and two and a half years with Benny. And uh, I mean, they are serious disciples of Jesus Christ and, and, and really, really endeavoring to live their life for Jesus. And I've seen it and it's uh, it's been such a blessing. And so they're going to be married today at uh, at 530 and uh May and I are blessed that uh, we get to be a part of that. And so thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you for, uh, for Benjamin and Peyton. We thank you for your mercy and favor and goodness on their lives. Father, we just thank you for the work that you've done in their lives and the work that you've done in their hearts. Father, above all, we thank you that they know Jesus and they're walking with Jesus and that they've received Jesus and that they are indeed disciples of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Holy Spirit, I ask you to bless this couple, Lord. I pray that you would be with them all the days of their life. We, we ask you, Father, to consistently give them eyes that see Jesus, ears to hear him, hearts to understand them in everything they do. We just thank you for this beautiful couple, Father, and we commit them into your hands now. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us as we open your word now. We ask you to give us eyes that see, ears that hear, and hearts that understand your word and help us to be better and better, more and more devoted disciples of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our only Savior, our only Master, our only King. Lord Jesus, we thank you for becoming a human man for us. We thank you for living a perfect, righteous life on our behalf that we could never live we thank you for dying a, a torturous death on our behalf that we should have died. And we thank you that you're alive and risen today. And we worship you and we commit this time into your hands now. 
in Jesus' name, in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen and amen. All right. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay. All right. So, um, as always, okay, it's the last teaching, but it's, you know, our, you know, our foundation verses are Jesus's great commission to us, commissioning us one and all in Matthew 18, I'm sorry, Matthew 28 verses 18 to 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Thank you, Lord Jesus. As we've said from the beginning um, of the series, all right, there's a difference between a Christian and a disciple of Jesus Christ. All disciples are Christians. You cannot be a disciple of Jesus until you first have become a Christian. A Christian is someone who has genuinely received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. John 1.12 says, yet to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. A Christian is someone who's received spiritual life, eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. They're currently trusting, relying, and clinging to Jesus alone for the forgiveness of their sins, the salvation of their soul, deliverance from eternal hell, and to go to heaven when they die. They're saved and Jesus is living in them and has given them new life, new spiritual life. God the Father is their heavenly Father. Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior and Master and King. And God the Holy Spirit is their guide, their counselor, and their comforter. They're saved. They've become a Christian. But Jesus didn't tell us to go and make Christians in Matthew 28, 19. He said, go and make disciples. A disciple is something different, okay? A disciple is a disciplined follower of Christ, someone who's trying to model every aspect of their lives, spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, and relationally after Jesus. Literally, someone who's trying to be more and more like Jesus in every manner and every way, and they are indeed in that process. I watched uh, Peyton and Benjamin go from being Christians to being genuine disciples of Jesus Christ who desire Jesus to be more and more at the center of everything they're doing. And even this wedding, their own wedding, their primary concern is that Jesus would be glorified and Jesus would be magnified. And that's the meaning of everything, right? Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will will handle itself. When you put Jesus first, literally in everything we do, everything else will handle itself. If you seek first the kingdom of Jesus, right? And you seek his will and his ways and his desire for you, everything else will handle itself. If you will have a heart to pursue what's right, to pursue the will of Jesus in everything. Um, and so, Jesus didn't tell us to go and make Christians, but you have to be a Christian before you can be a disciple. 
He didn't tell us to go and make churches. And, 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 and church is a good thing. It's a good thing to gather together in a good, sound, Bible-based, Bible-centered church and have time, you know, hearing the word of God being taught and, and coming together to do praise and worship. That's a wonderful thing, okay? Um, but Jesus didn't tell us to go and make churches. He didn't tell us to go and make Christians. He told us to go and make disciples. Now, obviously, we can't make disciples, Nathan, until we first become a disciple. And as we talked about in the last two teachings, part of, of being a better disciple is that you're spending time making disciples. You're spending time helping other people be disciplined, devoted followers of Jesus Christ, our Lord. So I talked to Stephen about it first and, you know, we were at 19 teachings and he thought that it would be good and fine. If we did a 20th one, I asked Nathan about it and he too said, yeah, it sounds good. We could have ended last time, but there's just something about the number 20 that seems better than 19, right? Uh, there is nothing inherently better about it, but so we're going to wrap it up today. And uh, Nathan had said, you know, you know, is there a parable or something you can exposit where you could kind of bring, you know, all the principles in? And so we settled on the parable of the sower. And so we are in uh, Matthew 13 and, you know, it's uh, one verses one to 23, one to 23. OK, so powerful parable. And it's really going to, you know, going to show us these principles of discipleship. So. Let's open our Bible to Matthew 13, and we'll start in verse 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat <clears throat> and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. And the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced the crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Verse 9 he who has ears, let him hear. Verse 10, the disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? Verse 11, he replied, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Verse 12, whoever has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. This is why I speak to them in parables, though seeing they do not see, though hearing they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, you will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Verse 16, but blessed are your eyes because they see in your ears because they hear. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. 
<clears throat> listen to then, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. Verse 20, the one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. <clears throat> wow. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord Jesus. So, really, you know, the parable is named the parable of the sower. You know, really, it, it ought to be named the parable of the soils um, because really the parable is focused on the four different kinds of soil. Now, we're going to talk about what it means to be a sower in a minute as well. And because all of us as disciples of Jesus Christ need to be sowers of the word of God. Okay. So you see in verse one, um, Jesus was sitting by the lake. It says such large crowds gathered around him that he had to get into a boat, right? So that he just, you know, he wouldn't be overwhelmed. Thousands of people. <clears throat> then he told him many things in parables saying, verse three, a farmer went out to sow his seed. What do y'all think about when you think of a farmer, Stephen? What do you think of a farmer, Nathan? May, what do you think of when you think about a, a farmer? Right, a farmer, Benny. You think about a farmer is is a is a hardworking man. You think about a blue collar, hardworking man who rises early in the morning. Right, three thirty, four, four thirty, five o'clock in the morning. He's already up. You see him putting his overalls on. Right, Scott. He's getting ready for the day. Right. You don't think of a farmer as someone who's in bed till ten o'clock in the morning, Stephen. Right. A farmer is a is a blue collar, hard working man who gets up, puts his overalls on and gets out into the field to do the work the Lord has given him to do. So are you a farmer for Jesus Christ? Are you a farmer, Peyton? I believe you are. Benjamin, are you a farmer? I believe you are. A farmer went out to sow his seed. If you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, you got to be a farmer. You got to get up in the morning. You got to rise up. You got to put your overalls on in Jesus. And then the first thing you got to do before you could go out there and sow the seed, May, you got to fill your bag with seed. The farmer just doesn't go out and start scattering seed. He has to fill up his bag with seed, right? He has to be filled up with the seed, right? Now, by the way, what is the seed in here, Scott, right? The seed is the word of God. The farmer sows the word of God. If you look down when Jesus explains the parable and he says in verse 18, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. Verse, verse 19, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. 
This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the, is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. So the seed is the word of God. If you turn to Mark chapter 4, okay, this, uh, this parable is actually in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But if you turn to, to Mark chapter 4, you'll see the same parable here in verses 1 to 20. And so Jesus says in, in verse 13, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? Verse 14, the farmer sows the word. The farmer sows the word. Okay. And let me see. So again, the seed is the word of God, right? The seed is the word of God. Now let's look at it in, uh, in Luke 8, okay? Luke 8, starting in verse 11. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God, okay? So are you a farmer today? Filling up your bag of seed more and more and more with the word of God. You can't, you can't scatter the seed as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Okay. The most important aspect of a disciple's life, if you remember, and we talked about in the first two teachings of this curriculum of discipleship, is reading, studying, and obeying the word of God, the Bible. So as a disciple of Jesus Christ, you have to continue to have the seed of the word of God put into you more and more and more and more. You have to be filled up and almost overflowing with the word of God. You can't scatter the seed of the word of God if you don't have it. So you gotta be a farmer. Do you get up early in the morning, Ian, and fill that bag of seed with the word of God? Immediately, a disciple of Jesus wants to be a farmer. And the first thing he's looking to do is, is fill his mind with the seed of the word of God. Wow. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay. All right. A farmer went out to sow his seed. So he goes out, his bag of seed is full. You go out as a disciple of Jesus Christ, your mind and heart are filled with the word of God. And now you're going to start scattering that word of God wherever you go. You know, you notice the farmer goes and he's just scattering the seed wherever he goes. You could see, you can almost picture a farmer with his bag, you know, you know, walking down, you know, just, uh, you know, the different rows where the seed needs to be scattered. And you could just see him scattering it everywhere. Okay. Scattering the seed. And we need to be farmers scattering the seed of the word of God, wherever we go. The seed of the word of God has such power, just like literal seed, right? I'm, I don't know how it all works, right? But when, when you're, when you're scattering, when, when a farmer is scattering the different seeds for the different plants, whether it be corn um, or wheat or, 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 you know, whatever it is, right? You know, there is, there is life in that seed. That seed goes into the soil, right? And I've heard that the seed dies and then out of it comes resurrection life, right? There's a picture of us 
dying in Christ and coming into resurrection life in Jesus Christ. Wow, that's powerful, right? Um, but the point is this farmer is taking this incredibly powerful seed and he's scattering it. He's scattering it everywhere in faith that, that a crop is going to be produced, that fruit is going to come from that. As disciples of Jesus Christ, we talked about, right? Last time in the last teaching, we talked about being fruit bearing disciples. We talked about in John 15, how Jesus said, you know, I've called you that you would go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And, and this is how we'll be known as disciples of Jesus Christ by, by fruit coming forward, right? All right, let's turn there. Let's, let's just look at that real quick. Let's go to uh, John 15, verse 8. John 15, verse 8, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Okay, so again, are you going to be a farmer and go out there as a disciple of Jesus Christ and scatter the seed of the word of God more and more and more and more like a good farmer so that you can show yourself to be a genuine disciple of Jesus Christ? You cannot be a disciple of Jesus Christ. You can be a Christian. You can be saved from your sin. You can go to heaven when you die. But if you, if you go to heaven as a Christian and you never became a disciple of Jesus Christ, you'll have nothing to show for your life. You'll be saved. You'll be delivered from eternal hell. You'll escape the flames of eternal hell, as 1 Corinthians 3 says. But you'll have little to no reward in heaven. Okay? We don't get to heaven by anything we've done. You go to heaven, you're forgiven of your sin, you're delivered from eternal hell exclusively and only by trusting in what Jesus has done on your behalf and in your place. You go to heaven by receiving Jesus Christ by faith, by receiving the free gift of salvation. You cannot earn it. You cannot help to earn it. You get to heaven only by receiving what Jesus has done on your behalf, by trusting and relying on Jesus alone for the forgiveness of your sins, the salvation of your soul, okay? But now your reward in heaven will be completely based on how you cooperated with the Holy Spirit of God and bearing fruit for Jesus, showing yourself to be a disciple. So no one gets to heaven by anything they've done but by only receiving what Jesus has done on their behalf and in their place. But everyone's reward in heaven will be different based on how they cooperated with Jesus to bear fruit in this life. Again, John 15, 8, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So once again, are you going to be a farmer? Are you going to go out and fill your bag of seed and continue to spend time reading and studying your Bible, listening to good, sound Bible-based teachings, right? Continuing to fill your mind with the Word of God so you can go out and scatter that seed as a disciple of Jesus Christ. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. And the birds came and ate it up. Verse 5, some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. 
Verse 8, still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears to hear, verse 9, let him hear. Whew. Verse 9, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So, as I said, this parable could be named the parable of the soils because you know, there are four different kinds of soils. But the parable of the sower is good too because you and I need to be sowers of the word of God. We need to be sowing the seed of the word of God. Regrettably, okay, the vast majority of us as Christians and even as disciples are often, are often sowing seed with our words, but it's not the seed of the word of God. We can sow such foolish things out of our mouth. I have said some of the most ridiculous things. Forgive me, Father. I mean, we can sow anything but the word of God. You don't want to be sowing our own words, our own thoughts, our own opinions, okay? We sound ridiculous. More and more, we want to be sowing the seed of the word of God. We want to be speaking what the word of God says. We want to be speaking that which is in line with the scriptures, with the living word of God. Okay. And then we can be sinful. We can sow seeds of gossip, right? We can speak things we ought not to say. We can speak poorly about others when we're not in their presence. That's gossip, by the way. Okay. Gossip is when you speak poorly of another person when they're not in your presence, whether it's true or not. Now, <laughs> yeah, many of you will listen to that and you won't like it. And the reason you won't like it is because you'll examine yourself and you'll see that, you know what? I'm always talking about people in a negative way when I'm not around them. Jesus wouldn't have you do it, okay? And uh, Matthew 18, Jesus said, if you have a problem with your brother, go to him alone and talk to him about it. Do you know how much less talking we would do, let alone foolish talking, if we didn't speak about anything negative outside the person's presence because it can't benefit them, okay? The only reason we ought to bring up something negative is that, you know, we're talking to the person themselves and we want to encourage them. We want to help them to be a better disciple of Jesus Christ. Other than that, it really has no place. Now, that's hard, right? Because all of us oftentimes feel that we need to vent, we need to share, um, you know, and, and I'm not saying, listen, there are not times where, you know, you're looking to get counsel and stuff, but you know what I'm saying. The spirit of God is ministered to us now, right, Corinne? Literally, we could all stop speaking anything that's not complimentary, anything that's negative, anything that paints someone in a, in a, in a bad light. Again, whether it's true or not, we could stop speaking negatively about people if, we're, if they're not in our presence, and we would be substantially better off. We really would, okay? Verse nine, he who has ears, let him hear, okay? Now, it's interesting, as I've said, there are four different kinds of soil, okay? So we're gonna get into these middle verses, but let's look down here in verse 18, it says, listen, to then, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. Verse 19, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. 
That's one kind of soil. It's very hard ground. This is the seed sown along the path, right? It's like it fell on a hard path or a stone path. Verse 20, the one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. Verse 21, but since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. What kind of soil are you? If you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, if you're going to move from being a disciple of Jesus Christ, it's only the last soil that bears any fruit at all. The first three soils don't bear any fruit. The first soil, even the, the word of God, the message of the gospel is taken out of their heart and they cannot even be saved. The second two, there's hope that they're saved, but there can be no no certainty that they're saved. It's only the fourth that there's a certainty that not only are they saved, not only are they going to heaven, but they're genuine disciples of Jesus Christ our Lord. Wow. So again, what kind of soil are you? All right. Are you a soil? Are you, are you hard? Because as a disciple of Jesus Christ, when you walk through this curriculum, Kristen, right? When you spend time reading and studying and meditating and obeying your Bible, you're, 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 you know, you become more pliable. The seed of the word of God softens your heart. It opens your heart that you might receive from Jesus. When you spend time in prayer, okay, earnestly praying, not only for yourself, but praying for others. When you get down on your knees and pray, Okay. Again, not every time, but once, twice a day, getting down on your knees is a very, very good practice. Obviously, again, uh, Jesus is more concerned with the with the posture of our hearts. But again, when we get down on our knees, it, it, it helps us, okay? It helps us to get in this posture of humility. Certainly, you don't have to do it every time. We ought to be praying wherever we are, but it's just a good practice to get down on your knees at least once a day. If you can, now, if you're not physically able, that's fine, okay? So thank you, Lord Jesus. But again, the more time you spend in prayer, seeking Jesus in prayer, the more, again, you're going to be pliable soil, the more you're going to be useful soil. Again, the, the, the first seed, right, it says, it says that the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. So because your, 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 your heart is so hard, the seed of the word of God can't get in there. This is the seed sown along the path. Verse 20, the one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. Verse 22, the one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it making it unfruitful. All of us can, 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 can recognize this in our lives, Lauren. If you look into your life, Esther, Corinne, look into your life and think, how much does it choke? How much is Jesus choked out of your life? How much is the kingdom of Jesus and the word of God choked out of your life because of, of worrying about things in this life and concerns, all kinds of concerns we have? I see it in my own life. And how about this and the, the deceitfulness of wealth? The worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, choke the word, making it unfruitful. 
How much time do we spend thinking about money, Scott? Way too much, okay? Um, How much time and effort and longing do we spend thinking about money, Matthew, and to to run after money and and to get money? Right, May, when we look into our own hearts, again, my wife and I, we spend, we spend more time than we ought considering money. All of us, obviously, we would admit, we would admit, all of us would admit, you know, I was talking to Alicia this morning, and yeah, she, she admitted that she's more comfortable <clears throat> when she has more money than less. And every one of us would say that, okay? Every one of us would rationally say, yes, a life is more comfortable, life is easier, when I don't have to worry about money. But again, look at this third soil. He said, the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth. It's that we're consistently worried and concerned about everything else except being fruitful for Jesus, being devoted to Jesus, walking with Jesus and helping others walk walk with Jesus. We're worried and concerned about all these other things. And one of the biggest ones, if not the biggest one, is just thinking about money and trying to get more money. And it's it's deceitful because in our minds, we you know, it's money that provides us with everything that we need. But that's not true. It feels like that's true in this life, but it's not reality. It's false. It's deceitful because it's Jesus that's our true wealth. Golly. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil, verse 23, good soil, is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. When you sow like, you know, again, I don't know how it all works, but let's say you, you sow an apple seed or an orange seed, right? And out of it comes a, an orange tree or an apple tree, right? You just don't get one orange. Every season you get how many? Hundreds of oranges, hundreds of apples, right? But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil, we would do well to understand as disciples of Jesus Christ, we're responsible for our soil. What kind of soil are you? There are people who are, you know, all non-Christians are hard soil. The gospel can't even get through. They can't even be saved. They're not born again. Their heart is so hard, right? They, they need to, you know, their heart needs to turn to Christ. But then even as Christians, we can have a hard heart, and the word of God doesn't get through. Maybe you've been listening to these teachings over and over and over, and you're listening to all these teachings, and the word of God is still just not getting through to you, okay? We are responsible for the condition of our heart, for the soil of our heart. If you will follow this curriculum of discipleship, you will be good soil. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil, we are responsible to cultivate our soil. As a good farmer, we got to turn over that soil. We got to break up that hard ground, Esther. Golly rap, right? We got to break up that hard ground. We got to turn it over, Becky, so we're good soil. How do you do that? Well, you do it by spending time reading and studying and obeying the word of God. You, You do it by spending time in prayer for yourself and others. You do it by spending time in praise and thanksgiving and worship throughout your day, having times of praise and thanksgiving and worship. And that's great to have it on Sunday mornings, okay? But, you know, that that's just, 
You know, that's one short time. You ought to have times where you're you're thanking Jesus and praising him and times in worship every day. Okay, you don't need music to do this. Music is beautiful. It's wonderful. But we ought to have time and praise and worship and thanksgiving throughout each day. We, you know, you want to have times of repentance. How do you break up that hard soil? Hard, hard soil, Chloe. You break it up by repentance, Stephen. You break it up by simply going before Jesus and repenting and saying, Lord Jesus, I know I have a hard heart and I repent. I ask you to forgive me, Lord. I ask you to soften my heart and help me to be good soil. Help me to be good soil, right, Wendy? We want to be good soil. We want the seed of the word of God, the truth of the word of God. We want to understand it. Wow. But the one who received the the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. Again, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, you want to be turning over that soil. You want to, you want to again, spend time in the word of God and you want to spend time in repentance and repenting over the areas of your thoughts and of your words and of your actions that are wrong, that are sinful, that are not in line with Jesus. And all of us have these things, okay? And we have them in different manner, in different ways. Those of us who are in church leadership, you know, there's there are certain tools the enemy uses against Christian leaders. I'm talking pastors, elders, and all manner of church leaders. We can we can have this, this incredible spirit of pride in thinking that we know what's up and we know what's best and we're the leaders. And I mean, I've seen it my whole Christian life. And I confess humbly and shamefully that I even see it in myself. And I ask you to forgive me, Father. Forgive me. I mean, I want the soil of my heart to be good soil, to consistently be good soil. Spend time in repentance. Spend time in repentance. If you haven't been baptized, okay, go and be baptized. Go and be immersed. Follow Jesus and be baptized. Mean, meaning Jesus went in and was baptized. He didn't have any need for baptism, but nonetheless, Jesus was immersed in that water. If you haven't been baptized, been baptized. And if you haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, just ask Jesus. Jesus, I ask you to baptize me in your Holy Spirit. I ask you now to, to fill me with your Holy Spirit anew and afresh. Lord Jesus, I ask you to empower me, baptize me in your Holy Spirit that I might walk out the call of God on my life and start taking communion more. Man, we did that teaching on communion and it was so powerful. And, you know, my wife, uh, my wife asked it to be done for a close friend of hers that's that's sick and, and is, is, uh, is going through, you know, cancer treatments. And it's so hard. And this is just an incredible, wonderful, beautiful woman a middle-aged woman um, around the same age as my wife and uh, around 44, 45. And, uh, you know, my wife wanted her to take communion. So, so learn to take communion. It's good to take it in church. However, you know, you know, most people do communion once a month in church, but, you know, learn how to take communion, you know, at home, learn how to take it in small groups. You don't have to be in church to take communion. You certainly don't need a pastor or a priest to take communion, okay? There's a power in taking communion and simply remembering Jesus, remembering Jesus, thinking about Jesus, wow. And again, you become better soil as you spend your time, your talents, and your money 
and the service to the kingdom of God and the son of God, as opposed to just serving ourselves and our own desires and our own wishes and our own comforts and our own hobbies, right? You're going to turn over that soil as you use your time more and more, Susan, in the advancement of the kingdom of God, as you use your gifts and talents more and more pop, right? And serving Jesus and serving his kingdom. All the while we're doing the jobs the Lord has given us to do, right? Whatever we are, if we're a carpenter, if we're a handyman, um, if we're a school teacher, if we're a pastor, doing it and using our gifts and talents, that while we do those jobs, we continue to do the work that Jesus has given us to do in his kingdom more and more and more and more. And our money. Jesus spoke about money more than anything except the the kingdom of God is the only thing he spoke more about than money. You know, using our money more and more and more and more in the advancement of the son of God, the word of God, the gospel of God, and the kingdom of God, this will more and more turn over our soil as we do these things, as we help others do these things, as we go out and make disciples and help others to be good soil. It'll make us Verse 23, good soil, but the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. Again, the more you walk through this curriculum of discipleship, the more you'll understand the word of God. Right, David? Right, Uncle Dennis? But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop, Chris. He produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Again, as disciples of Jesus Christ, depending on how we apply ourselves to him in this entire curriculum of discipleship, we will bear a crop and we're going to be rewarded accordingly when we get to heaven for how we cooperated, right, Wendy, with the Holy Spirit in producing a crop for Jesus yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Wow, thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's look at this. I like the Matthew account because it, it, uh, it includes verses 10 to 15 here, 16. Look what he says in verse 10. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? Verse 11, he replied, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Why well, hadn't begin to them? Because they're not disciples. He's speaking to his disciples, right? Verse 10, the disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? The disciples came to him and asked, are, are you getting it? If, if, if you want to know the knowledge, Stephen, of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, then you got to be a disciple. Verse 10, look at it, Pop. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? Are you a people? Are you a person? Are you a Christian? Or are you a disciple? Because it's only the disciples. He replied, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, his disciples, but not to them. If you're only a Christian today, if you're trusting in Jesus Christ genuinely and you received him as your savior, you'll go to heaven but you won't have the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Is there anything better than that, Nathan? Is there anything better than the knowledge 
of the secrets of kingdom of heaven. And look at, look at verse 12. Whoever has will be given more and will have an abundance. The more, the more that you have these things, the more that you're turning over the soil, the more that you're a devoted disciple of Jesus Christ, whoever has will be given more. It, it builds, Tom. It builds, Jesse. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Right, Jose? You just It just adds to it. You start getting more revelation and more insight. You start growing closer to Jesus and it gets exciting. Uh, the elder in our ministry and the other two elders are Tom and Jesse. And Tom had sent out a text exhorting all the leaders of kingdom discipleship. There are, there are uh, seven core leaders, eight core leaders, I guess, if you count me. And they're just guys that are just, you know, strong in the ministry and they're, you know, they're, they're consistently working in the ministry. And, and, uh, and Tom, who's the senior elder, had uh, just had exhorted everyone in the group just to really begin uh, to have this daily practice of this curriculum of discipleship that we've been talking about. And, you know, it's been an accountability text group. I had said uh, to Jesse and I said to Tom, every church in the world ought to have three, four, five, six, eight, ten of these text groups going on. Very few people, very few people listening to me now have ever been on a group text with brothers in Christ or sisters in Christ where you're, you're, you're holding one another accountable for your walk as a disciple of Jesus Christ, holding one another accountable for the time you're spending each day in the word of God, holding one another accountable for times in prayer, holding one another accountable for times in praise and thanksgiving and worship, holding one another accountable for times in in repentance, holding one another accountable for how you are using your time, your talents, and your money, how you're using your time. Are you are you doing some evangelism? Are you getting some gospel tracks out? Every church ought to be encouraging these kind of accountability groups. And now we have this technology where we can get on this text group, right? And again, we have the leaders of kingdom discipleship. There are eight of us on it, I think. Um, seven or eight of us. Um, let me think. Um, Tom, Jesse, Jose, Stephen, Josh, Dustin, Eddie, and me. So there's eight of us on it. Okay. And we, uh, and we hold one another accountable. We exhort one another. Uh, Jesse has done this in seasons and, and you know, Tom started up with an in incredible, I mean, it was a long exhortation he gave us um, and we've been doing it and it's been serving, serving us. So again, you want to, you want to be as a disciple of Jesus, a, a big responsibility of this is, is to make disciples, to help others be disciplined followers of Jesus, to help others be apprentices of Jesus doing this curriculum that we're speaking about, right? Whoever has will be given more and will have an abundance again. So again, the more you do this, the more you help others do it, the more you'll abound in discipleship, the more fruit you'll bear for his kingdom. You'll be a, a 30, 40, 50, 60, 80, 90, 100, 200, 2,000, 2 million, 2 billion fruit bearer for Jesus. Whoever has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from him. Wow. Again, if you're just, if you don't keep turning over that soil to make sure it's good soil, it's going to get hard. Whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from him. Verse 13, this is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. 
Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. Again, we become hard. Verse 14, in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. Have mercy, Lord. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Verse 15, for this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their eyes. They hardly hear with their ears. And they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and turn, and I would heal them. You see that? That turning is repentance. A disciple of Jesus Christ has a lifestyle of turning, of acknowledging aspects of his or her life, Gwenda, right? His or her life, Learn, his or her life lens that are out of place, Right? Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn. And I would heal them, heal them of their hard heart. A disciple of Jesus Christ, Lauren, is someone who's, who's consistently, not because of shame or guilt or condemnation, but there's a, a joy of repentance because you want to be healed. You don't want our hearts to become calloused. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. There's this joy of repentance. Of course, I'm convicted over the things that I'm thinking wrong or spoken wrong or done wrong. But we repent. We genuinely go before Jesus. We acknowledge, you know, where we failed. We ask him to forgive us. Um, And again, you don't go to heaven by doing any of this. But it helps turn over that soil. It helps soften the ground and Jesus promises you'll be healed. Look at he says in verse 16, but blessed are your eyes because they see. Why? Because they're disciples. Again, the people, the crowds, those who were just Christians, they didn't see. You see that, Kristen? But blessed are your eyes because they see and your hearts because they hear. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. As disciples of Jesus Christ, we have such a privilege. We have such an incredible privilege of being his disciples. It's the greatest gift we can ever be given after the gift of salvation. On the other side of that coin is this gift of getting to be apprentices of Jesus. And if you're a Christian today and you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you want to begin this process of discipleship. If you're not a Christian today, you first need to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You simply need to go before him. Humble yourself before Jesus. Acknowledge to him that you are hopeless, helpless, and desperately lost knowing that without Jesus, only eternal hell awaits. And give your life to him today. Receive him as John 1.12 says, yet, John 1.12 says, yet to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Have you received Jesus Christ? Are you trusting and relying on him alone today? for the forgiveness of your sins, the salvation of your soul, deliverance from eternal hell, and to bring you to heaven when you die. Romans 10, 13 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
That's a promise. What does that mean? It's not our words that save us. It's Jesus that saves us, but we use our words to communicate our heart to him. So have you from this place, this understanding that you are hopeless, that you're helpless, that you are desperate and that only eternal hell awaits. And you believe Jesus when he said in John 14, 6, Jesus proclaimed, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. Out of that place, believing Jesus, you humble yourself before him and simply receive him as your savior. Ask Jesus to come into your heart, to be the Lord of your life, to save you from your sin and to bring you to heaven when you die. And you'll become a Christian. And then from there, on the other side of that coin, you'll now become and begin this process of discipleship. You'll begin to be a, a farmer, filling your seed bag, May, more and more with seed every day, right, Benny? More and more with seed. And then Peyton going out and scattering that seed wherever you go, more and more and more and more, scattering the word of God, the gospel of God, the son of God, more and more and more and more. And continuing in this curriculum of discipleship, spending time reading, studying, obeying the word of God, spending time turning over that soil as you spend time in prayer, for yourself and others, spending time and every day in praise and worship and, and thanksgiving with and without music. It's good to do it with music, but there ought to be times throughout our day where we're practicing praise and thanksgiving and worship and it has nothing to do with music. And spending time in repentance. Repentance, again, is how we turn over that hard soil when our hearts are getting hard. Spend time taking communion. Spend time and, you know, just taking communion, not just in church once a month, but learn how to take communion and really remember Jesus in this sacrament of communion. If you haven't been baptized, be baptized. If you haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, simply ask Jesus to baptize you in his Holy Spirit. It's not a, it's no instant maturity. It has nothing to do with your salvation or the forgiveness of your sins or going to heaven, but just simply ask him to baptize you in your, in his Holy Spirit that you might be empowered to walk out the call of God on your life. And again, you want to spend time using your time, your gifts and talents, your skills, your capabilities, the things you're good at, and your money in advancing the kingdom of God, the son of God, and the gospel of God, increasingly using your time, talents, and money more and more for Jesus and less and less for ourselves and our own interests, our own desires, our own savings, our own retirement, our own fun. And finally, you want to you wanna be helping others do this. You want to be making disciples, helping others be disciplined followers of Jesus, helping others, encouraging them, exhorting them to spend time in the word of God and in prayer and in praise and thanksgiving and in worship and repentance and in communion and then using their time, talents, and treasures, encouraging others to make disciples. And as you do this, you will, I will, we will grow to be more fruitful disciples of Jesus Christ. We'll bring glory to our heavenly Father, and we'll be proving, as Jesus said, showing yourself to be not just Christians, but disciples of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Wow. Well, Father, we do thank you for this series. I thank you for these 20 teachings, Lord. 
I thank you again for just how you've brought it about. I thank you for my son-in-law, Nathan, here two months ago. It was right around two months ago in December asking for this series. I thank you that now here we're at the last teaching, 20 teachings later. And Lord, we have this, uh, this curriculum of discipleship. Father, I know there's, you know, we could do 2,000 teachings and it wouldn't be enough. So I pray that by your mercy, people would be served by these teachings, that my wife and I would be served, that Stephen and all the guys in Kingdom D, Lord, who use these and work on them, that, that we would be served. Father, I pray a special blessing over Benjamin and Peyton today, who by the end of this day will be Mr. and Mrs. Benjamin Miller. Father, I pray that they would be especially blessed this day, that there would be a blessing on their wedding today, Father, that, that Jesus would be magnified, Father. Thank you, Father. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we get to be your disciples. We thank you again for coming into this world on our behalf, for living a perfect righteous life on our behalf and in our place that we can never live, for dying such a torturous death that we deserve to die. And we thank you that you're alive and risen today and we worship you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to seal this to our hearts now. Seal this and all these messages to our hearts. Drive us to Jesus, Holy Spirit, we, we pray. Help us to be more disciplined followers of Jesus Christ our Lord. Help us to be devoted and fruitful 30, 60, 90, 100, 200, 2,000, 20,000, 200,000, 2 million, 2 billion, 2 trillion, 2 quadrillion times fruitful disciples of Jesus, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we ask more than anything that you'd give us eyes to see Jesus more and more, ears to hear him, and hearts to understand him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen and amen.